welcome to this special episode of Telia's Talk. Today's topic is one I've thought about for many years. How do you view your church? Have you been there forever, or have you just started to attend? The church is often described like a family, but seldom is it as functional as a family should be. And sometimes people in our family are harmed in ways they should never be. When I was younger, the original Star Trek series was on TV as reruns. The crew would land somewhere and have to fight their way back onto the ship. If there was a member of the crew wearing a red shirt, it was guaranteed they would be killed during the altercation with any aliens they encountered. The idea surrounding the red shirts was that they were collateral damage. Superfluous members sacrificed for the good of the whole. Although this works well in a story, or perhaps military strategy, the idea of unnecessary people is loathsome to most. And yet, this idea is alive and well in the church. What do I mean by this? Well, consider the demographic or tenor of most churches. There exist the anchor families, those whose forefathers founded the church. And there is the faction who have been grafted in, either through marriage or as a sum of their gifts. Musicians, teachers, helpers, or the popularity. Then there are the outsiders, made up of new members, new Christians, visitors, and the lost. The attendees who have come to church for the reason of teaching, community, and discipleship. But none of these comprise the red shirts. In every church, the red shirts are the pastors and their families. The problem arises when there is conflict or discipline issues which need to be addressed. Not unlike a professional sports team, even if all the players are terrible, an exceptional coach will find themselves fired to release any unwanted pressure on those who are not doing their jobs. But how did we get here? This is a direct result of the church failing to recognize and develop leaders from within. Pastors are called from Bible schools or other churches to solve problems which came to the church with their forefathers. There is no internal investment in hired guns. Decades of strife and filth are heaped onto these workers with the hope that change will occur as long as the membership isn't asked to change or exert effort into leadership. As soon as someone feels picked on, the old guard is threatened and the red shirt is marched in front of the firing squad. God help him lest he flinch. There is no investment in these throwaway people. They are given an impossible task and judged against criteria no sane person would accept in their own business. Are you unhappy with the music being sung Sunday morning? Well, drag the pastor out and make him accountable. Did the sermon challenge your complacency? Drag out the pastor. Are your kids not attending youth? Blame the pastor. Did your family help pick out the carpet 40 years ago and you can't understand why it needs to be replaced? It must be the pastor's fault, right? The red coats are disposable and easily replaced. And obviously they don't teach the gospel according to you. So get them out of here. There comes a time when churches consider dismissing their pastors. And when this happens, those who are seeking to dismiss him should be warned that there is a very narrow reason for such an action, lest they sin in doing so. There are only two reasons which can be argued to warrant such an action on the part of the church. First, the pastor has grievously and intentionally broken the law. This includes sexual misconduct or any action included in Titus 1 verse 6, which reads, The husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. Also, 1 Timothy 3 verse 2 and Ephesians 5 22, 
talk about this as it relates to his devotion to his wife and family. This is reflected in the pastor's self-control, as recorded in Titus 1 verse 8. Secondly, the pastor engages in heresy and refuses to regard correction from the elders. This includes the damnable teachings of progressive Christianity, the prosperity gospel, or any unrepentant scripture twisting which results in a new gospel, as mentioned in Galatians 1, verse 6-9, which reads, There are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. All other personal faults on the part of the pastor should be subject to correction by the elders through love and respect. These include his relationship with his family, his personal conduct, and those times when he has wronged someone. The first chapter of Titus and 1 Timothy chapter 3 outline the expectations of a pastor quite well. Oftentimes, churches choose to dismiss a pastor based on their own deep-seated sin, be that pride, envy, anger, or greed. When a pastor is viewed as expendable, the church sins against God, who has placed that pastor in that church for their correction. It is the belligerent and disobedient child who must bow to discipline and correction. Even a well-reasoned argument falls apart if we examine the intention of the heart. Very often, I have heard church elders argue that the decision to dismiss a pastor came after prayer and searching as though they were to invoke absolution for their actions. But God hates divorce, and when a church strays from these guidelines, their willfulness only leads to greater sins. It is easy for cowards to circle the wagons and justify themselves with heavenly language because they reject proper discipline from the shepherd they are instructed to obey. Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. But when the sheep endeavor to harm the shepherd, they will be left to the wolves. And unfortunately, in every church there are septic members and those who would create division. Romans 16 verses 17 and 18 say, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. These people are slaves to deception and should be pruned out. Luke quotes Jesus saying, The deadwood will be pruned from the church. As a church, we should be discerning to identify this deadwood which brings rot to the vine. There is very clear direction in the Bible on how church leadership should be treated, from the priestly line of Aaron and the Levites and the training of the disciples and Timothy, and the teaching becomes obvious and then uncomfortable. How we treat our pastors is reflected in how we treat the gifts we have received from God. Read what is written in Galatians 6 verse 6. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. When we hire our teachers from outside, there is a feeling that they must earn our respect, earn their wage, and do what we tell them to do. But this does not lie within our biblical framework. Again, let's look at Hebrews thirteen seventeen. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Inferring upon our leaders our wishes and demands shows our complete disregard for 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13, which reads, 
we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Our leaders deserve respect. They don't need to earn it. They need our esteem and love. Why? Because of their work. That's it. And there is a promise in this. If you obey, you will have peace. Quite simply, a church should listen to its pastor. He is called to be its shepherd. And as a man of God, he has been chosen for this role. The proper treatment and respect of our pastors is very clear in Scripture. Deuteronomy 25 verse 4 reads, You shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. And this sentiment is restated in Romans 4 verse 4 where it says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Paul teaches Timothy this exact thing in 1 Timothy 5 verse 17 through 18 when he repeats these two verses. Why is this so important? In Numbers 18.24, Moses wrote, For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given it to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. Was this Moses' own idea? No. It was a law of God. Paul knew this when he said, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. There is a solution to the sin of red coat politics. Serve up your children as tomorrow's leaders. Give them the tools and invest in your own future. Once your son takes his place behind the pulpit, it becomes harder to slit his throat just because you disagree with him. Once your family becomes entwined with the leadership, the cord does not break so easily when it is stressed. There is a purpose in pursuing a healthy church and a dynamic church when all those involved have a direct investment in his future. Dismissing a pastor makes them think either the church leaders are desperately wicked and have made their decisions outside of God's will, or they themselves have been judged by God and found wanting. It strips a pastor of his identity, and a pastor who loses his job immediately enters the first stage of grief, shock, and disbelief. They find themselves asking, why did this happen? What did I do wrong? What do I do now? Should I find another church? How will I provide for my family? What will people think of me? And how do I tell my family? It also trickles down to the family, sometimes resulting in divorce, when the pastor's self-identity is suddenly stripped away. This leads to the emotional destruction of children and spouses as well, who retain a hatred for the church, who dared to act this way. And although words of consolation come their way, the family only hears condemnation and platitudes from the well-meaning. For any pastors, or those pursuing the pastorate, sometimes you just need to know when to leave. As you go about your job, it is important to be discerning and constantly in prayer. Keep in touch with other pastors in your community and conference and attend retreats whenever possible. Allow yourself to be ministered to as well. You don't need to lead a Bible study, but you do need to attend one. There is a time when you need to be silent and glean teaching from others. Most importantly, if you feel it is time to leave, do not sin. Remember to keep yourself holy. What happens to a church that sins? What can be expected of a church that rejects its shepherd? It has been my experience that when a church acts this way, it becomes scattered, 
not unlike the exile of the Jews, those who have brought the destruction will themselves be destroyed, and those who were silent are led off somewhere else to serve. Joe McKeever, writing for Crosswalk.com, said, Once church leadership gets a taste of running a preacher off, some of the more carnal would decide they like the power that it gives them. A new reality sets in. It's like blood in the water to the sharks. Thereafter, no pastor is safe from them. They will look around at the remaining church staff and ask what this person does. What is he or she being paid for? And why do we keep them on? Soon, staff members start falling. Just so easily do churches begin their downward spiral. They fire a pastor, decide it wasn't so bad, and God didn't strike them dead. And soon, they run off after another one, and another one after that. In my opinion, any leadership board which fires a pastor should be expected to resign their position as well. So what is the legacy of our church? We are concerned when numbers start falling and our youth never return. But does the church bear responsibility for this? While you're pointing fingers, how many are pointing back at you? There are very few pastors who deserve the treatment they receive at the hands of the church, and there are many churches who attempt to sidestep the punishment they deserve. In the words of Joshua 25:15, But if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether it will be the gods of your fathers, which serve beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.